programs, natural history, anthropology, paleontology, and zoology. And then uh, next Tuesday, free school crochet and knitting circle and lessons will be at Arbor Brewing Company. That'll be 5.30 to 7 p.m. That'll be free also. Come to our new monthly crochet and knitting circle for lessons and for crafty companionship. Um, events information is brought to you by Current Magazine and Ann Arbor's Entertainment Monthly, available at many locations around town. Events info can be heard daily in the morning at 1.30, 4.30, 7.30, and 10.30, and also at 1.30 p.m., 4.30 p.m., 8.30 p.m. right here in WCB and FM Ann Arbor. So again, thank you, and after this um, PSA, it'll be time for Living Writers. Toma 12 años para que un niño sea un graduado. Toma casi el mismo tiempo para que un niño abandone la escuela. La diferencia entre el graduado y el otro puede ser tú. Por eso United Way te pide que levantes la mano. Sé tutor de un niño que necesita ayuda. Hazte voluntario para leerle a un niño. Porque todos nos beneficiamos cuando un niño le va bien en la escuela. Lele, sé tutor o sé mentor de un niño. Así que da, aboga, sé voluntario. Live United. Inscríbete en liveunited.org. Traído por United Way y el Art Council. I'm so happy you're here It's been a long time since I had you near my dear Come on inside, get away from the cold wind that's blowing Gonna let you know that I'm so Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today, I'm so pleased to have Heather McHugh here in the studio. Heather, welcome to Living Writers. Thank you. T, you are the best letter in the alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) Too kind. No, no, it's not true. It is true. It is not true. It's not true that it's too kind. She's too honest (laughs) to say. Scrupulous. And you suspect, and you are, yes. you are and am suspect. You know how in airports they say report anybody sp- suspicious. What? They want you to be suspicious, so they're asking you really to report yourself. And if you were scrupulous, <laughs> you would go to the nearest cop and say, "I am suspicious, and I'm reporting myself." They don't realize they mean report anybody suspect. <laughs> right. oh, but I have a oh, grammar right, bug up right, my ass, so. <laughs> Actually, it just took to that second, and now I really get what you mean. <laughs> I, I know. was in some other world for a second. You Heather. said just at the airport. <laughs> I was there. That's right. Um, just because I'm flying doesn't mean you have to. <laughs> but no, that's true. And you love. You actually, you're going to stand up and fight for what's right for grammar in well, some ways. Uh, well, oh, the the question of what's right for grammar is a complex question. It's a perplexed question. Uh, because usage is interesting, and it generally goes toward more efficient things. And efficiency is yes. is high on the list of uh, poetic loves. I do I do want a highly economical language that, however, is nevertheless highly precise, while triggering uncontainabilities. It's a that's, small order. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> it's not much to ask. <laughs> <laughs> the fewest words with the greatest number of readings yeah. in them. And but, most life. But yeah. that's not what the airport's interested in. They just, you know, 
They just want you to turn in the guy with the weird bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ticking bag. Oh, no. Let's, I'm not going to knock <laughs> I'm on, sorry. Knock on wood here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, are you on that board, Heather, that does that um, where they 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 decide on language? changes? No. Or, oh, my God. No. They shouldn't put me on it. Well, why not? I think well, wasn't isn't Sherman Alexie on it? Is he? I thought oh, that's he, great. They're picking good people then. They don't need me. I don't need that job. I like okay. I like I like a pine opining about it in in my own room, you know. I don't want to get dressed up and go to work. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and maybe maybe it maybe it was just maybe it was just Sherman that mentioned it. Then I was yeah. like, there's this board that exists and then I, you great. picture them somewhere and you know. Well, I'm, I am extra alert to usage and its changes. There are some usages that are that usage changes. You know, the old farts of uh, grammar would not approve of some of the changes. I, however, like a lot of them. It just seems to me practical. There's a reason people say somebody left their bag. It's because the gender thing is more important to them than the number thing. Yes. So they're willing to make the mistake of number in order to, you know, solve the problem that they can't say which gender it is in the singular. But then there, you know, there are other ones where you really lose something important, like People don't know that disinterested means something good. They don't know that you want a disinterested jury. You want a disinterested judge. You want someone a disinterested handling your affairs or your right. your money or something. But it's come to mean bored or mm. uninterested. And that's a shame. That one I'm sorry to see lost. Um, these aren't grammatical questions entirely. But, but see, but, and sometimes you can't, like, we... <laughs> get the word back in some ways That's right. or campaign for it. It gets, yeah, it really does get lost. That meaning gets replaced by another, and then you have to invent a new word to mean the thing you meant, fair-minded or whatever, yes. without a personal stake for profit in your deliberations, disinterested. Well, speaking of fair-minded, before we go any further, we should fairly introduce you ah. Ah. <laughs> um, well. to, the, to the audience out there in radio land. Um, uh, here we have many, we're lucky to have many of Heather's books here with us. Um, thanks to Joseph at Copper Canyon and Stephanie at Wesleyan, uh, University Press. Um, the book Upgraded to Serious, um, out with Copper Canyon Press 2009, Heather, and, uh, we'll read the short bio from there and fill in the, the, the pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, Heather McHugh is the author of 13 books of poetry, translation, and literary essays, including a Griffin International Poetry Prize translation, as well as Pulitzer and National Book Award finalist volumes. McHugh has taught literature and writing for over three decades, most regularly at the University of Washington in Seattle and in the Low Residency MFA program for writers at Warren Wilson College. From 1999 to 2005, she served as a chancellor of the Academy of American Poets and in 2000, she was elected a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. That's a lot of fancy sounding stuff for it, 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 the I, likes of me. <laughs> well, it also sounds like you've got quite, a, I can see why you don't want to be on this grammar board because you've got enough yeah. jobs to do I've here. Done. You're, you're, I've done my time. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my time. I'm ready to walk. <laughs> and, and what is it? Or, or leap. I feel uh -huh. like you're more or like dance. a dance. Yeah. Ah, as soon as I get that knee replacement. <laughs> They won't be able to keep me off the dance floor. <laughs> but, so you 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 moved to Seattle. You 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 chose to make the most of your well. All your... my moves so far were you know from bad love. 
problems. I always, I, I, I went to, I always left town when love went wrong. So luckily there was a job in Seattle when that, that, you know, the love in New York went wrong. I was at Binghamton before that, and I did a lot of schools on the way up. Everybody sort of, uh, you know, does, does the hard, hard time. Early on, I, I worked six preparations in a community college in Western Massachusetts when I started, which is more than most high school or public school teachers do these days at all. So, um, you know, like I say, I put in my time, as I say. As I, the, the little bug up my ass and, made a m- move. <laughs> the, as soon as I heard myself say like. <laughs> um, oh, oh, right. Um, but I, I love that as a title. Um, bad love moves. Yeah, bad love. And then the moves has to become transitive or intra- <laughs> I don't know. It's both the transitive and the intransitive. I like that. Uh, I can read you a gra- sort of strangely grammatical poem in a way. It's, it literalizes a word anyway, and it's called the trouble within. It comes from the early days, probably from those days when I was moving to Seattle. Um In English, we're in trouble. Love's a place we fall into. So sooner or later, they ask, how deep? Time's a measure of extent. So sooner or later, they ask, how long? We keep some comforters inside a box, the heart inside a chest. But still, it's there the trouble with the dark accumulates the most. The end of life is said to be a boat to a tropic good or bad. The suitor wants to size up what he's getting into, so he gets her measurements. But how much is enough? The best man cannot help him out. He's given to his own uncomfortable cummerbund. Inside the mirror, several bridesmaids look and look in the worst half-light. Too long, too little, not enough alike. And who can stand to be made up for good? And who can face being adored? I swear there is no frame that I would keep you in. I didn't love a shape and later find you fit it. Every day your sight was a surprise. You made my taste, made sense, made eyes. But when you set me up in high esteem... I was a star that's bound in time to fall. The bounds, the sorrow of the song. I loved you to no end. And when you said so far, I knew the idiom. It meant so long. Good thing Bursting it isn't around Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay, here's a good Valentine. Let me read you a Valentine's one. This one's called Two Loves. This gets oh, spicier. Yeah. <laughs> the backhoe braces itself against itself with two flat feet. I always wanted a backhoe for Christmas. A backhoe and a Xerox machine. I have yet to get either one. The backhoe braces itself against itself with two flat feet and fights its appetite. I love that shovel undermining just the terra firma which its hinder parts rely on. So the man in me is making inroads everywhere, great cities rise where he has wrecked the gardens, while the woman in me counterbalances his headstrong ways by staying her ground with equal force. The latitudes of play are ampler for the rules. 
the clouds look clearer in a lake than not. Did poets live this long to practice birth control? Excited by a simile, they take the indecorum of a stagnant ditch and make a mirror of it. Meanwhile, it's the backhoe man who reads. At lunch, he hunches over his inquirer, which is full of spiritual facts of life, like male girl gets self-pregnant, and he loves it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's the reader of my dreams. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. We're talking to you out there. <laughs> really? And that was from Hinge and Sign? Yeah. Heather That's and selected poems. And so when you did the you you got to do the selecting, right? Yep. At the, the press and so when you go through there, what what's it like are you thinking about the cause you said this is about when I moved to Seattle. Hmm. Well, none of that it wasn't chosen for any chronological reason. Right, I, right. But um But I guess that's what it brings you to with the Well everybody keeps... remembers n- Books, things read, things written by where they were. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's oddly odd how in per, in private lives things get linked up together. How you can't help associating whatever Anna Karenina with, you know, the the bad salad you had the night before or something. It's terrible. It's it's sort of awful the way the the private life impinges on the on the life of immortality. But um yeah well, I got the imagination, the right? Because then it's just they're fused together somehow and well, this, that's you're true. the being that's well, that's what and Proust them. is all obsessed with that anyway. So right? The Madeleine that he can never <sighs> forget and yeah. then that makes the literature of the ages. Yeah, there is a peculiarity of time involved in art that I I love. I've never, I I suspect time. I I don't trust it. I didn't trust it when I was four, and they were trying to teach it to me. I still don't trust it. It seems to me preposterous. And pre and post is perfect that they're in preposterous <laughs> when I, when I want to apply it to time. Um, it it sort of angers me that it gets such a big grip over our lives that every seventh day gets turned into a Monday so we can't notice how the clouds passing over will never be that way again and should have had only one name each cloud set because it'll never be like that again. Names themselves, you know, words themselves, that's why I resist them. They they tend to freeze things into, into prefabricated patterns and instead... I'm always working to try to find the language that can be for that moment only, that perishing moment only. And, and you know, one of the things I sort of love about the new world of technology is that it what it does to language. That as soon as there was there were computers, I love that suddenly what came back were scrolls and icons and things. You know, all kinds of Egyptian oh. things came back <laughs> onto the landscape. So, sort of <laughs> screwing up time. I like that. So maybe something soon will be disinterested. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, no. no. Oh, God. Oh, I'm no. sorry I brought that. No, we'll, no. I'll but tell you I, we'll take a short break okay. and then we'll forget. Because I, I got a that. great poem to read for that. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Okay. We'll be right back. Okay. Um, to hear um, Heather McHugh read a poem for us. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. We've got Stephanie in the engineering booth. We'll be right back.
haven't tried. Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today, Heather McHugh is here. Um, Flipping through the book of poems. <laughs> Probably making noise into the mic in that unseemly way that amateurs have. No. That's okay. That's okay. My heavy breathing will cover it. Oh. From the, from the wow, winter chill. I didn't know it was that exciting. It very yes, yes. So, yes. Well, what are you you're, you see? I actually am. I want to. I was. Once the song intervened, I had this urge to go to the sexy poems, but forget that. I want to go to the inner the uh, the language of the internet. There's this the poem I constructed entirely out of a kind of handbook that went around Stanford and MIT in the very early days of computer technology, a kind of uh, lexicon of uh, terminologies that were going to be used. And I made this poem entirely out of this lexicon, which was put together by Guy L. Steele and Eric S. Raymond. So I pay homage to them right now. But it's appropriated language, really. Um, so I took I took these odd expressions and had fun with them. Hackers can sidejack cookies. A beige toaster is a maggot box. A bit bucket is a data sink. Farkled is a synonym for hosed. Flamage is a weenie problem. A berserker wizard gets no score for treasure. In muds, one acknowledges a bonk with an oif. There's a cosmic bonk-oif balance. Ooblick is play sludge. A button hook is a hunchback. Logic bombs can get inside back doors. There were published bang paths ten hops long. Designs succumbing to creeping featuritis are banana problems. I know how to spell banana, but I don't know when to stop. Before you reconfigure, mount a scratch monkey. A dog cow makes a moof. An aliasing bug can smash the stack. Who wrote these tunes, these runes you need black art to parse? Don't think it's only genius, flaming, humor, dry, a briefcase of cerebral dust. A hat's a shark fin, and the tilde's dash is swung. The daughter of the programmer has got her period. It's all about wetware at last. And wetware lives in meat space. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> thank <laughs> them. It's such great language. Thank you. Is it? Thank you, Guy and Cecil. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guy and uh, Guy and Eric. Oh, Eric. Okay. How could I forget? <laughs> when you were when you were making that poem, Heather, do you remember? Were you sort of? Do you just keep reading these different lines or these different phrases out or these words, and then you? How I couldn't the... I could not start getting my meat hooks into them, and and it often starts from a last line. I mean, you you know you have a last line or a clincher or something, and then you have to design the architecture of something that can deserve it. Um, I mean, in this case, it was good. I also love a kind of strict programmatic thing where I insist to myself there are rules. I have to use only things that are, you know, uh, this like in this lexicon. It's going to be these equivalents just listed. But then organizing them is the fun, and that's the fun of doing anagrams too. I can, I got it. As a matter of fact, hang on one second. Yes, I have, yes. This, I have this anagram. Like this is the same principle in a way. You take 
everything's already created. You're not creative writing is absurd to say because all the the words are already there. You just mess with them. You select them. You reorganize them. All art is editing. Editing is the whole art of art. Um, it's it's not. It's a presumption That's... to think you invented anything. You're just messing with it. That's the fun. <laughs> And so for me, anagrams were incredibly wonderful things to get my hands into. Uh, I had a for a while a, living with me a new stepdaughter who was so gorgeous that steaming hunks of boy flesh would come and stand on the porch or sit on the porch waiting for her to get a glimpse of her. And and I had to worry, you know, about how to protect this creature. I'd been able to spend my life walking down streets anonymously, but to walk with her was to see how exposed she was, like heads would turn and everything. And so how to protect her, you know, I was racking my brains. And at that time, I had just discovered the oracle of the online anagram generator, and when I ran her name through it, Linda Nikolai Popova, it came back, look plain, avoid pain, <laughs> which seemed, you know, from then on, you couldn't get me off the anagram generator. It just seemed, it was the oracle. Was, there was yes. no question. <laughs> so I actually started doing things like making, I took William Butler Yeats, which yields a lot of anagrams, and started by hand, this was even before the generator, the online generator, by hand making anagrams. For every line would be the letters that were in the words William Butler Yeats, and no more and no fewer than were in his name. Um, it took me forever before compu before the Internet Online Anagram Generator. It took forever. There are, And then when I got on that generator, I found out there were thousands of anagrams for William Butler Yeats. He happens to have a very anagrammatizable name. <laughs> Heather McHugh, you can, from Heather McHugh, you can only make one anagram, thug charm, hee hee. Because you have to use up all those H's. It's terrible, the hee hee. It's just such a sorry excuse for an anagram. But I made an anagram of Shakespeare's sonnet 23. You want to hear that? It's the perfect anagram of that sonnet. It, I'll read the Shakespeare and then I'll read mine and then I'll stop boring you with this stuff. But I just love the sort of programmatic elements of these. But, you know, how to have laws, how to have this very great precision and yet still surprise makes something sparky. Yeah. Um, and Shakespeare, of course, can do it. It's a presumption to rewrite him. But what the hell? <laughs> Shakespeare's son at 23. Here's the original. As an unperfect actor on the stage who with his fear is put beside his part, or some fierce thing replete with too much rage, whose strength's abundance weakens his own heart. So I, for fear of trust, forget to say the perfect ceremony of love's right, and in mine own love's strength seem to decay, or charged with burden of mine own love's might. Oh, let my books be then the eloquence and dumb presagers of my speaking breast, who plead for love and look for recompense, more than that tongue that more hath more expressed. Oh, learn to read what silent love hath writ, to hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit." He's explaining that he, you know, to a lover why he doesn't say "I love you" enough. A sonnet I feel for since I live with a Scrooge of a man. <laughs> I mean, it's someone I've lived with twenty six years, but who is very parsimonious with his red dye number twos. <laughs> As 
Valentine's Day approaches. <laughs> I, I entitle myself to bitch a little. It could be a backhoe or a zero. Yeah, that could that's be a right. nice gift. Hey, it could just be a, three words. Yeah. <laughs> that's cheaper. He'd like that better. So here's the Enneagram. Here's the Enneagram. As authors can't perfect one agent, so e-agents can't perfect an author. His art, how be it swapped shut, is his fire. A high truth, gloom-free writ, or some centerpiece, whose hint, torn watch band, reawakens hugenesses. Sorry about the page. Stuff for oratories? Go after toys. Refer thy competence to lovers? Fie! I mind no neglected systems, nor wave one hat. Wired for e-thought, two moving hemlines branch. Queen bee, yokel tool, both sent hem. Best pass as underbred, my king of rampage. Download Homer, look for pen of clever apes. Heather thoughts, hot art department, no more exams. Twitter hello earthward to vanish alone. Fetish's vow is now to be all heterogeneity. <laughs> Such as it is. Strange but true. Strange but true. I mean, who? Yokel tool. Yokel tool. You gotta love it. <laughs> We're gonna wind up on a country note before long. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm banging the table and making the mics dance. It, it's sort of, yes. There's yeah. four mics in here that look like a, a, a big spider, a really sort of scary spider. Like, or from Star Wars, right? From the Death Star or something. Yeah. <laughs> but you liked the table. <laughs> I do. I, I like it all. It's just strange and wonderful in here. Right. What, a, what a life you lead. Yes, here at WCBN. <laughs> <laughs> FM Ann Arbor. <laughs> oh, Heather, it's, it's um, yeah, it's, thank Thank you so much for reading the poems. These are it's, it's so lovely. And well, I should say you're visiting. So you're here from Seattle and you're going to be at the University of Michigan Art Museum. People can go and see you today. So everybody, if you're getting in your car, making your plans, um, head to the Art Museum. Come and I'll tell you why the ostrich has four eyelids. Oh, aren't you going to tell us now? No, no. Okay. there's got to be some reason for people to go out in the cold. I'll tell you one thing. The innermost two are for blinking and eyeball moistening, but the other two are much more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> the little ostrich tips. This is great. Well, this is like, this is a life of a poet, right? You're going out there and you're finding uh, these pieces. Gotta love it. Life is full of these scraps of paper with words on them. And they've, you know, like cereal boxes, everything that, that passes your daily uh, purview is it the just, stuff of art. It just comes, right? You, you just cut it up. And you've even said that from a very young age, you were um, an established um, eavesdropper. Oh, definitely. And did you know you can take a Land O'Lakes butter carton and and cut a little flap where her yes. bosom is? I'm allowed to say bosom, right? <laughs> you are. You are. Yeah. And move her knees up under there. And it's so wonderful. It's just the most wonderful gift you can give to someone for Valentine's Day. Exactly. This is so. This is a now 
the little our gift to you listeners right there you go go out and yeah i i'm uh, plumping for land of lakes here i should invest (laughs) quickly (laughs) so heather i'm just going to also mention the books again because we have um upgraded to serious um with copper canyon press thanks again to the latest one and then um also from um wesleyan university press we have the father of uh the predicaments we've got shades um and uh oh and hinge and sign which people have been you like these are some poems that we've got to hear on the air today and and then the great this great book of the essays broken english poetry and partiality um with wesleyan and the topics of those essays are very wide-ranging i mean there there's uh that's not going to surprise anyone heather (laughs) there's poems about the yoruba poets of western nigeria there's poems about uh, art photography da 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 strange instances of art well heather we'll take a short break and then we'll be back for the second half of the show many thanks to heather mm-hmm. McHugh. you've got so living joy writers to be here we'll be back you're here um you've got living writers on wcbn fm ann arbor heather McHugh, as such as she is <laughs> here she is with a poem at the ready a poem at the ready after simple gifts gifts it seemed to go straight to a poem whose own name is denomination seems simple the radio fades the blues are out and then the stars By dark we mean well, full of fire water. We have saved the old songs, solid gold, and to what end? The houses pass as in a movie from a hundred years ago. Inside, in summer, thieves can lift whole windows full of yellow. The car comes to a full stop. The graveyard's made out in bare moon. Here we are, stock still at the end of the line. Some words are lost for being far, and some for being far too often said. What's in a name? It's time. They never told you that. So lovers come to visit cemeteries. There you don't need any date to understand how long a hope or patience has been dead. Thank you for reading that one, Heather. It's cheery, isn't it? It's, it's, you know. 
Well, later for cheery. Yeah, stay tuned. I mean, I have more macabre pieces for you. Which, speaking of which, I love your, you know, your your jacket cover for uh, Upgraded to Serious. Well, with, you know, I went on your website. That's the alternative newspaper in Seattle wanted me to get a picture taken, you and mean the when stranger? I got there, yeah, the stranger. <laughs> I love that. I love those guys. And when I got down there, I mean, they had a photographer who wanted me to take a picture with a vase of flowers, which no. is really not me. And I said, right down in the alley behind your building, there's this beautiful graffito, Mr. <laughs> graffito. And it's this skeleton with two red stripes across his knee. And he's just my height. He's like my pal. He's my <laughs> alter ego. I love it. But the photographer also did manage to get a weed growing up out of a crack in the concrete right against my leg. So you can see there's a flower anyway. So like He got, he got his you a flower? damn flower in there. <laughs> it's hard to be a lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to be, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was trying hard, but and they then, got me into but it. This is great. And did you intentionally look away to Heather? Because you know when the author photos sometimes, or when people are... Well, one of my one of my author's photos, I'm looking entirely away. You only see the back of my head. Well, that's shadow. Oh, that's wonderful. At least too, that's shadow. Shades. Well, it goes with oh, the title it's... of the book too, yeah, right? With shades. Exactly. Th- this is often a photo that you see because it's on the, the Poetry Foundation, one. right? And yeah. the poets.org. Let's see if I have the one. Excuse me for leaning away. I know that's wrong. I don't have the oh, one the that, magic. where it's just no face at all. That's what I prefer. <laughs> I love radio. <laughs> Radio's so good. It's like everyone's using their imaginations right now uh, yeah. to channel us, or we're absolutely dis- disembodied voices. Yeah, then uh, the words are all language is all here. Let me read lifelike. That seems appropriate at this moment <laughs> for living writers. The news gave me a scare. I tried to look innocent, tried to look elsewhere, but all the world is in the living room. There is no other place. And five fast channels of tornado went on devastating Xenia. The surgeon's family went on being murdered by the surgeon. Urban areas would soon be linked by bullet train with mail deliverable even after nuclear attack. I'm scared. I think my pilot light is out. Perhaps these warplanes, audible and visible, are real. A real old building falls. Is this the weather or a window? Where are you? Can anyone so far away be true at all? I turn the TV off, but then I see a box with me inside it, gray and small. So so that poem is also connected to the earlier poem. So there's a lot of this thinking about the mortality you weren't joking. well not n- not least now because my mother died on christmas day and i was there for the last 15 hours of her life and oh. it sure changes christmas yeah. uh, it's interesting my father died on my birthday my mother died on christmas it's as if they're afraid they won't be memorable or something <laughs> it's amazing i think statistically it must be true if i could interview a lot of hospices that people hold out for notable right. days. It, well, and your your mom turned ninety one when you had upgraded to serious. She was ninety four when she died, and she went into the hospice one day before she died, and died the next day. She had had hospice workers coming to her house, but she had it all mapped out. 
I mean, she wasn't religious and she knew she was sensible. She was, you know, she she just wanted it. They use this euphemism to be comfortable, but it turns out it, not to seem comfortable ever, uh, apparently. Oh, so that's, sorry. well, she, the morphine didn't work for her and they had to change her onto another medication, but it takes a doctor to come into the room to do that. And you, meanwhile, she's sort of shuddering and da-da-da. I'm sorry, this is really not cheerful at all, but it does absorb your attention and it also infuriates me to a certain extent because she was an extremely practical woman clear-sighted with her wits right up to the end and even she even with hospice could not have as good a death as my dogs have always had when they went to the vet it pisses me off yeah yeah no that what you so, know why did everybody make Kevorkian to be so evil he he it seems to me a kind of service mm-hmm. but Mm-hmm. Only those of us who, who, I mean, those of us who want it, at least, we would benefit the universe, you know, like, decrease the population. And... Like the Hemlock Society, mm-hmm. right? Where you have some... Um... some A helper. But you don't want to implicate other people as long as legally there are that's problems. True. So right. that's, that's the difficulty. It, one just, you know, hopes for a time in one's own lifetime when society gets to that point. I mean, Vonnegut, years, decades ago, had in one of those um, extraordinary books of his, a a death parlor you could go to and get the music you wanted and beautiful people would bring you these cocktails of sleepiness, (laughs) which sounded fine to me. I mean, I love life. I love life, and I cherish it. And I also, more than most people in my milieu, respect the difficulty that people have in making legal decisions about both birth and death. I don't take that lightly, and many people in my milieu do. They're pretty sure, you know, whatever, uh, universities are fairly liberal, and people are pretty sure they know what's right about all that stuff. I don't. Those are very hard lines to make divisions and decisions about. But just watching, it's my third deathbed, and I just, just watching one has this human sense that it, it, it could still be administered better. Okay. Yes. So, well, yes. let well, us, and you've moving been, on. Well, speaking of the university, I was thinking you were so young when you went. Like You were, you were born in California, your, your folks were Canadian, um, and then you, I don't know why that means you go to university early, but you did. You went to Harvard at a young age, and you've been sort of, you know, you've been in academia. I have. My whole life, I've been institutionalized almost my entire life. (laughs) And everybody will soon understand exactly why. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a safety impulse in a certain way. I didn't want to graduate, but I kept having to graduate. You know, I loved... It was a protected place for me. A lot of writers who had nuns, for example, as I did briefly, my parents used to drop us off at different churches every Sunday so they could go home and argue in peace and <laughs> without the kids around. And that my mother then eventually started taking me to this Catholic school, and I loved the nuns. I'm the only writer in America who will tell you, you know, perfectly happy stories about the nuns. I even boarded for a little while. I was hoping so much to know what Sister Cletus wore underneath but they they even then boarding you don't find out however they were protective of a shy and studious person mm. and i've even there was an extraordinary thing at this school this particular school i mean i was only 10 or so and i did a short story 
which now, when I look back on it, seems to me prescient and hard to believe I could even come up with because I never saw anything like this but uh, in my daily life there. But I had a story about a priest who sort of was fondling some boy, and they gave me the prize for it, the writing uh, award for it, which is extraordinary at a parochial school. Maybe so. they thought, good goodness, she's a truth teller. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one, well, maybe they knew it was yes. truth. Yeah. I don't think I did. No, at that time, right, but they I, might have. I think, you um, know, what I did sense was some capacity in so sensual a set of religious observances. And for me, everything was sensory life. Yes. Um, for sensual interpretations of things. So maybe it was just that kind of, it wasn't a knowing of any other kind. That's for sure. Well, you, well thank goodness. And, yeah. you know, I was watching a documentary on um, nuns, like the nun who had starred with Elvis and then had gone to an ab- become an abbess. And they were talking, one of the nuns was talking about the sensual pleasure from their voices joining mm-hmm. together. And it's oh, beautiful. Art has come of... Roman Catholicism and and of uh, uh, the Orthodox Church too. I mean, look at the singing, look at the music that's been written. I mean, it's just extraordinary. And, and, and you pick you pick the music for the show, Heather. So well, um, well, we started with simple gifts, but a lot of the rest of it is unholy. Like, love me like a man, and <laughs> <laughs> so this is gonna be great. <laughs> That the nuns didn't play for us. (laughs) And, you know, I I should just remind everyone that you are here. You're visiting Ann Arbor in the Zell Visiting Writers series. um, There's a reception today, Mm -hmm. so everyone can go and see you at the the art museum and the the, the apps, right? You'll be signing books. The apps. (laughs) Little did they know when they named it that, what it would come to mean. How many people would come looking for things for their their iPhones? (laughs) Oh, is that, I was like, I, I know it's spelled another way. Yes, oh, the apps. But, but yeah, yeah. exactly. But you'll be, you'll, be, you're there, and you're going to be reading on Thursday, and in, in the auditorium at the art museum at five o'clock. I'm so glad you know so, these things. I printed it out. <laughs> Good. Good. I believe in words. Well, well, yes, and you are. What it's clear to me that you are this. You are embodied of a, a believer, and um, well, believer. I don't know. I wouldn't well, go that far. I believe. Yeah, yes, yeah, I yeah. believe in words. I, yeah, it needs its modification because ultimately, to believe in words is to be a skeptic. Uh, Seamus Heaney said that uh, the best thing anybody ever said about my work, as far as I was concerned, was Seamus Heaney saying that I relished and suspected words. <laughs> yes. And yes. it's true. I, I, he, it's actually on up, upgraded to serious. Oh, is and the, the dust check, I, was, I, I loved what he said about the, yeah. the, the book. That must be... Um, uh, I admire the wryness and the warmth of to the quickened shades, the wit nicely wedded to the lyricism, wonderful fluency and happy skepticism, the world beautifully seen and sung, the word relished and suspected, lots of impulse and energy, spreadsatura, bravura. Well, I just like that suspected. (laughs) (laughs) The rest is nice, but the icing on the cake, but the cake is really, you know, a cake of razor blades and suspicions let's take a short break and we'll be right back to hit hear more uh, with heather McHugh today on living writers we'll be back thank you
que todo está perdido Yo vengo a ofrecer mi corazón Tanta sangre que se llevó el río Yo vengo a ofrecer mi corazón Será tan fácil, ya sé qué pasa. No será tan simple como pensaba, como abrir el pecho y sacar el alma. Una cuchillada de amor. Welcome back. We've got living writers today. Heather McHugh is here. Um, and we've got Stephanie in the engineering chair. Thanks for making us sound good, playing the songs that Heather Thank chose. You, Stephanie. Um, Heather, so yeah. Who says everything is lost? Who's, who says everything is doomed? I come, yo vengo a ofrecer mi corazón. I come bearing my heart. I come offering my heart. Uh, that's the that's beautiful. sweeter side of it. And and just to, so everyone knows, Heather said that she wishes that we could have heard the whole song, but I, I cut it off in its prime so uh, we could hear. Okay. We want to hear more from look you, up. Heather. That's yeah. Mercedes Sosa, if anybody wants to look her up. She's a wonderful singer. Ah. Thank you. Thanks for uh, picking that one. Well, here's let me read something that because I I say this is the last I promise the last of my sort of deathly preoccupations, but it's also love. There are only two subjects after all, um, <laughs> yes. and hard to tell apart. There's you know the little death and the big death. <laughs> let's say. Um, but because of that song, it seems in some ways right to do this. This is a poem I have never read anywhere else. So Thank you. at least it's a first and perhaps who knows a last. But I'm curious about it right now. And this is, it feels like a place, if people could see inside this studio, they'd understand why I feel entitled to do this. I mean, the table at which I'm sitting is covered by an old oil skin that's entirely covered with different colors of graffiti. I mean, it's just beautiful. I took a lot of pictures of it as soon as I arrived. And so I feel entitled to wax a little inventive here. Yes. Um, it's, the poems are true and uh, as true as they can be, and memories are as false as they can be, so all of it is suspect, but um, this one's pretty fresh from life. It's called Ah... Uh, that old poetic utterance, is it an expletive or an ejaculation, so the nuns believed? That vowel that so early is associated with an M to make it registrably first among all words in maybe 7,000 baby languages. In English later, it's appropriated for the noun of wonder or of reverence is awe. It's how some lingos signal alpha, or the French toward, or Latinate 
away without, as in a verse, a stone unturned, a field I'm all about, and then eventually in Amen. Aha! How I adore them, though my far from sainted mother of them seemed to utter only ill. Engenderers are gendered to the end. Wherefore do they arrive or yet depart? These Oz, for Oz's possibly, for wizard works of witchery and storm, I filmed her face, if film's the word for it these days. I digitalized, I immortalized, if immortality's the word for it these days, my mom's last downbeats upheaves her last ways of being mortified. She was so often vivified since birth, so often mortified before her death, but now, by God, she meant it. Informed only by apertures of orifice and armatures of frame, she was stretched parchment, very yellow, till the blues set in about the jaw. Till then, and seeming meaning, her last utterances from, if not upon a subject, all were Oz. I actually, uh, because I've sat at three deathbeds and and know to calibrate things like the pace of breaths and things like that just to get a sense of the arc, like to know whether you can go out and get a cup of tea or not or dare not. Um, I could tell uh, there was a certain point and, you know, famously there's a kind of raspy breathing that goes on for quite a while and that troubles you but then something happened to her breathing and it got very soft sort of soft and gentle but still rhythmic and I had just learned how to use my voice memo app on my phone and because it was a reassuring sort of rocking sound almost like cradle rocking you know mm -hmm. I cl clicked it on so I would remember the gentleness and sweetness of that moment instead of other moments mm -hmm. and as that was recording, it stopped. So I have on my oh. um, on my iPhone this thing I don't even know how, I'm not sure I know how to download or anything. I just don't want to lose it, you know? I have this, so like her last, her last utterances, which were all ahs. People say ah, ah, ah. There was a, a guy at a conference I went to recently, the guy who invented Siri, who instead of making his little 10-minute talk as everybody else did, just asked his phone questions and put Siri up to the mic. <laughs> so he never it's talked into the father. mic himself at all. But I don't, dare, I don't dare play this. It's just I don't want to lose it. You know? No, yeah. Well, you, you have to um, find a way to... Uh, upload it so that you're because also then it's this only in this one carrier right yeah or maybe if you have the iphone it's already in that cloud app where it's yeah, already maybe. going up and well i also wouldn't mind for example playing it during that poem and having and and having it go on after the poem ends just a little so that just the rhythm that informed the poem would then be seen also to be the human breathing that is you know so ultimate for us and 
so everything that we call life yes yeah until until you can't breathe um you have no sense of what that means yeah it's like everything else if it gets transparent when it's healthy or happy or whatever Uh, people for example complain all the time about customer service but they never tell someone's supervisor when someone was good because they think that the the invisible thing is things being good you know things being fine but that shouldn't be invisible in fact really if i have any spiritual life at all it's just paying attention when things are good and and saying to the supervisor wow this person was really able you know if it's rare it ought to be celebrated and and it's all too uncelebrated because Americans are lucky and they aren't aware that it's rare to be happy or unafflicted or treated well or whatever. I try to be aware of it. And and I think you you must be and and you I think you by observing and um, infusing all these observations into the 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 lyrics that you're writing, Heather. That's that's a way of having other people then. For a moment, also Part, celebrate this. Be celebrated or get to celebrate. I let me read you one that is a, a whole other world and will relieve the, the darkness of this presentation so far. Oh, um, no, Heather, it's all right. It's okay. good. It's, well, this you know, is, it's life. It's this is partly. Uh, this is also partly unholy, but. Um, I'll read you Granny's song. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) If the fact itself were not at odds with most of my hopes for human life, I'd want to know why sex was always best when I stood to lose the most. Why make its charms so devilishly proximal to risk? The patterns ought to favor children's best protection, not one parent hardened and one hurt, one predator, one weak. But nurturance appeared to have no part in our old fastest appetites, our grappling hooks and eye meats. Well, a mortally afflicted tree will scatter seed. That's nature's way of furthering its kind. In my own 60s, here where issue's not the issue, not unless I go to Delhi for an embryo implant and let me tell you I am not that nuts. Here, newly sixtified, I say, I'd settled for a kindness. Tender looks, not tenter hooks. A cuddle, not a cattle prod. Dear God, you made me pull away from every club and strut and hoe. Don't now, on my account, sweet chariot, swing so damn low. <laughs> That's maybe less funny than I promised, but. <laughs> no, 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 but I knew it. I was, go- I was glad. Uh, you were hoping for that one, you that. salty character, you. Um, I'm actually trying to find there is one that really is funny. Oh, here, here, here. Okay, so then after you get married, I'm going back in time from the granny to the 10-year to uh, married one. It's called Domestique. Surfaces to scrape or wipe, a screwdriver to be applied to slime-encrusted soles, the spattered hallways, wadded bedding, and in quantities astounding, in the corners, under furniture, behind the curtains, fluff and dander spread by curs, the breeder called non-shedding. It's a dog's life I myself must lead, day in, day out, with never a Sunday edition. 
while they lay, lie around on their couches like poets and study the human condition. There. <laughs> That's a cheery one. That makes everyone want to run out and get married. <laughs> Nespa. <laughs> this is our public service portion of oh, yeah. the show. <laughs> no, these are wonderful. This is this. So Heather w- upgraded to serious because in a way, oh, yeah. this title. How did? Are Ooh. you just? Yeah. T- can you? I, I love that title. Well, the yeah. the cover of this one actually has a human head entirely encased in gauze. So you know, like someone who had a really bad accident. Um, uh, so then upgraded to serious um, naturally, uh, well, naturally, I don't know. Maybe people <laughs> don't, don't know the clinical terminologies, but just below serious in, in the hospital taxonomy is critical. So it is a little way of getting a jab in at the English oh. department. <laughs> Let's say, not your English department, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Only my own. <laughs> but the, the creative writers are always finding creative ways of dissing the critical guys. The Critical side of literature, but yeah. <laughs> it does at least bespeak an alternative to seriousness. Though, you know, to me, it's preposterous to say upgraded <laughs> to serious. It's just as disturbing as it can be. But when did you know that this group of poems was going to get that like, title? Yeah, it just you know it dawned on my cracked skull one one day. I don't know it. I knew that it had, I mean, titles are a problem in a way, and they can operate in all kinds of ways. Uh, famously, the worst ones are things that try to synopsize what the poem is about, and I'm very resistant to the notion that poems are about something. Um, in fact, I'm going to do a lecture sh- shortly on a wonderful saying by Alan Grossman uh, to, uh, to the effect that poems are, or art is about something the way a cat is about a house. <laughs> Oh, which I love, yeah. and it it respatializes people's conception of literary content, which I uh, that respatialization I really cherish. Wait, Heather, is that talk today? Uh, that, no, because the reception is today. Yeah, no, it's the it's a lecture, and it's I'm not sure what day. I can't remember. I think it must be Friday. Is that right? We've got some I should live know what I'm paper doing. shuffling happening. They work you I hard promise, here, folks. I, I can't promise. even keep in my in my you enormous brain. <laughs> well, we know for sure that you're going to be at the reception at the art museum. You know, from that's five, for you know, sure. five fish to six ish, right? <laughs> and then tomorrow you're gonna you're gonna read also at I, the art museum. I'm, so you're gonna do a well, reading. Well, I'm reading tonight, I believe. I, am I not reading at that? apps place you know what we'll i think so but anyway there's a reception and book signings and then i believe i read and some mingling so yeah and i have classes to do and you know various things we're so glad you're here heather Uh, it's a joy i've been walking around the streets and enjoying those too i must say it's uh, nice to come from seattle and get an actual bracing sun and there and we are here for you. Ah. <laughs> so Heather McHugh, thanks for being on Living uh. Writers and 
Thank you. Come back You anytime. are a live wire. I love conversations with you. Maybe we can adjourn to we, we shall. the nearest tavern. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to Stephanie for engineering. And many thanks to Heather McHugh and, and to Joseph at Copper Canyon for sending the books. And also to Stephanie at Wesleyan University Press. Um, until next time. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, January 23rd, 2013. In Los Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, Nebraska's governor approves a new route for the Keystone XL pipeline, setting up another showdown over the controversial project. In Wisconsin, tribal members of the Bad River Band of Chippewa say a massive iron mining project threatens their land and water. I have pictures of my grandson, he's nine years old, fishing in the Bad River. I mean, that could all be gone if this happens. And we'll go to Beijing, where advocates are trying to renew the popularity of bicycles as a way to combat rising congestion and pollution in the city. Those stories and more, but first, this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. The final counts are still coming in, but the results of yesterday's election in Israel show an unexpected shift towards the center. Although Benjamin Netanyahu 